Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design, episode 182. You may recall last week we tried something new. We opened the mic on Business of Design members who had questions, those pressing questions we get from time to time about how to handle certain situations. Not everyone wanted their question recorded, so we answered a lot of questions offline, if you will. But you will hear from a few of the members who allowed us to record their questions. I've had the privilege of meeting with Business of Design members on a monthly basis for four or five years now. You would think we'd run out of questions and things to talk about, but we never do. It's really interesting. There's always a new twist. And we have a new twist coming as well. In the fall, we'll be making an announcement about how we're going to enhance and improve the monthly coaching calls that are part of your Business of Design membership. There really is never going to be a better time to become a member of Business of Design. We'd love to have you join us. Give it some thought if you're ready to take your business to the next level. And I don't mean that in a theoretical way. I mean, are you willing to roll up your sleeves and do what it's going to take to set you up for true success? If you are, you've found us and we're so happy you have. And speaking of membership, I do want to say thank you so much to those of you who have been supporting Business of Design all these years, new members, and especially members who've been with us a long time. Over the years, I've gotten to know so many of you, and I think of you as much more than Business of Design members. Of course, I think of you as friends, and I look forward to meeting with you all face-to-face, in real life, big group hugs, in the near although not quite foreseeable future. It's coming. I know it is. We'll hear some quick announcements from Cheryl Horn, and then we'll jump right into the episode. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't believe it's August already. I I did just get back from a couple days at the cottage, so we're really trying to enjoy summer, but we've been so busy here at Business of Design gearing up for everything that's coming this fall. And uh, of course, we'll be rolling out more announcements about that over the coming months. But this month, we do have our next recovery webinar. When this all started, everything was so up in the air. You know, we sort of set the program, but left ourselves open to negotiate the dates as we went, as people needed them. So uh, based on the feedback we've been getting as we've been doing the the live webinars, for most people, we've really been hitting the mark with where they're at in their business at the time. Um, Of course, for anybody who is new to business of design or hasn't participated so far, the recordings are available to you and we will leave them up until the end of the year. We've received really great feedback on that. If you haven't already participated, please do so. The next one is coming up on August 19th. We're talking about long-term growth and negotiating success. Registration is already open for that one. Uh, We're going to wrap things up on September 16th with Thrive and what your business looks like. At the end of all of this, again, you know, our members have given us such great feedback on this. I think we've, um, it's been nice to hear that things are starting to open up, projects are picking up, and hopefully this is, you know, been been helpful for so many of our members. So hopefully we will see you on August 19th for the next one. And again, registration's open. You can check out the recordings for any of the past webinars uh, available at businessofdesign.com. 
Sounds great. Thanks, Cheryl. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you, monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. We'll jump right into the middle of this Business of Design group coaching call, and you will hear Cheryl right off the top. Okay. Um, so we have another question from one of our members near High Point, and they're saying being so close to the furniture market, they found it challenging to deal with local clients who have access to trade prices and want her full discount on all orders. How would you handle this when it's so, you know, she's in an area where it's so readily available to the client? I completely understand how that would be challenging. And this is so interesting. We did a seminar at High Point and there was a, there were, um, a company there. It was a mother and her son. And after she did the seminar, Cheryl, I don't remember if you were there and I so wish I could remember their names, but I can picture them so vividly. They raised their rates by so much after the seminar. And then they came back the next year and said, it was amazing. It was absolutely the best thing they ever did. They couldn't be busier. And even though they're in North Carolina, they're getting the best, best, best job. So I just wanted to put that out there that sometimes, you know, we make up stories about, well, I can't charge this because I don't live in New York City, when in fact you really could charge it. Um, so to back to your question, I would say that there's a very big difference between me giving a client design advice and me stick handling the project from start to finish. So it depends on what kind of client you're looking for. If you want a client who just takes your advice and runs with it, then there's no problem. But if you want a client who allows you to do all the purchasing and all the project management, then they have to comply with whatever rules you set out. And we all know that, yeah, they can go to high point and they can get access, but then they have to track the goods. They have to confirm the size of the goods. They have to make sure that they ordered the chrome nail heads instead of the brass nail heads. And you've got enough horror stories in your back pocket that you could explain. You totally understand if the client wants to take that on, but here's the things that might happen. And if you're in a position where you can say, I'm not going to worry about those customers, I'm just going to focus on the customer's I need who want to let me do the whole thing. My favorite client is a client who says, I don't want to lift a finger. I don't want to do a thing. I do not want to be involved at all. If I don't have to, I would love to just come home one day and find my house done. That's my customer. So I don't, I don't discount that for some, 
you're starting out, you're new, you, you just haven't hit your groove yet. I totally understand. But the sooner you can get to your sweet spot, the sooner you can start having real fun and enjoy real profitability. Um, and I just have never had a good experience allowing clients to do the purchasing on their own. Somehow it always comes back to bite me uh, in, the, in the backside. Uh, your own, I'm going to try and allow to talk. Hey, your own. Uh, oh, hi, Kimberly. Hi. Your own, so I, I have, just have to tell you, I, I have can, this, I have this, um, I have this yoga app, and one of the instructors looks so much like you. So every every time I'm going to do this particular class, I'm like, let's go see what your own is doing, and then that's our <laughs> signal that we're going to choose that teacher for the yoga app. So anyway. And you're, you've got a doppelganger out there. Thank you. So this, is, this is only a half problem question. I have a series of new clients all were taking the opportunity to either buy new properties, upgrade to their forever home, get an investment property. And what I'm finding is I have, I have three of them concurrently and that's amazing, and I'm so excited, but yeah. the existing homeowner, the salesperson from the uh, 55 and over community, their realtors, none of these people want to work with me in any capacity. You know, they just think that I am going to be either extra work or I could cost them the sale of the house or something. So these people are going to buy houses, then they ask me to come in and measure and, you know, bring in guys for trade day, all the normal 15 step stuff, but nobody is making it possible for me to do this until after closing. When obviously if all the boxes and the furniture are in the house, it's, it's hell for my painters and my flooring people and all of my trades to really get in. How, how, do I, how do I convince realtors and other people to let me have the access when they don't want to? Wow. Okay. So first of all, congratulations. That sounds amazing. I know you guys have worked so hard to put yourself in the right lane. It looks like it's paying off. I'm just wondering your, your own, um, why... Uh, here's my initial thought. I think that my job would be to convince the client that I need to be in the loop, not the individual people. And then I think my job would be, go ahead. The the clients have basically all purchased these houses and they are, they're somewhere between, you know, the end of the process and moving in, and they call me all excited. Uh, but like the guy from Ryan Holmes doesn't want to let me in. He says, Look, my job was only to sell. These people are already buying. You just have to wait until they move in. Or the realtor for one of the others, you know, there are people in the house. Obviously, we're not giving you access until afterwards. The walkthrough is the day before we close. You know, I, I, I can't get anything done if I can't get in there on time. My clients can ask them nicely, but no one's willing to not buy a home. 
because they won't let the designer in, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in advance to measure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. If the client won't intervene and, and kind of use their, whatever leverage they have to get you in, I don't see how you're going to be able to do it. So all I would be able to do in that case is explain to the client how this is going to result in some extra fees, because at some point, as you said, all the furniture that's, whatever they move into the house is going to have to be moved out to complete the work. Right. And they're going to have to move to an Airbnb. Is that a thing anymore? Do people do that anymore? I don't even know. They're going to have to, you know, right. They're going to have to move out for a little bit while that's all going to be done. And, you know, you you could handle that. You could manage all that. I'm not sure what you can do beyond that. It's in, in my experience, when people don't want me involved, it's always because they're afraid. They're somehow afraid I'm going to throw a wrench into the works and make their job harder and whatever. And, you know, how, how much stress do you want to, you know, put into this? You're a, you're a yoga teacher for goodness sakes. You've got to be Zen about this. All right. Thank you. That that's exactly it. The realtors, all they see is the potential that I come in and somehow they lose the sale of the house. So they don't see any incentive to work with me. That's right. Yeah. So. Of course that's not the case at all, but anyway, hope for good closings. Good luck. You're going to be busy. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Very. Thanks. It's all um, one of our other members is chiming in and just saying that what she's done is had clients set the appointment for a viewing and then she's just gone with them. So usually if you're doing the purchase of a home, especially if you know you're going to do renovations and stuff as part of your actual agreement. Now, obviously if they've already made the purchase, it's too late, but I know, um, from my last move, you include that in the agreement that we had two scheduled visitations um, between signing of documents and the closing. So the clients themselves would have to schedule those appointments with the real estate agent. And then, um, the designer could just sort of tag along for those appointments and do their measuring, whatever they needed to do. Obviously you're asking clients to take time out of their schedule as well to do that. But if they understand the long-term benefits and how much quickly, how much more quickly that moves the project along. Um, that may be something if you know you're in those situations to get them to do. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that, Michelle. Yeah, absolutely. We were we did something similar once and the appointment was supposed to only be an hour. And of course we just wanted way more time. And nope, the people who were living in the house at the time said, nope, out, out, out. So we were only able to spend an hour on site. It was like so annoying. Ah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of our members is saying that she's having a new website designed for her business. And she's just wondering if you have any advice for what information to include on the website and what to, uh, and what should not be included. She's wondering specifically if you would ever include a copy of your contract or maybe language from it on your website. So, um, it's, yeah, we're doing a new website for business of design too. Like I understand how like, this is like so all encompassing this kind of a thing. So this is what I know now. And, and we just recently redid my website. I would know exactly who my ideal customer is. And then every single word, every single picture, every single font would be 
to appeal to that one customer. I would be so much more targeted and focused on who I want to hire me um, because I spent a long time being a generalist and I got plenty of work. It's true, but I also got a portfolio that was kind of a hot mess. I had so many styles and looks and price points going on. Who is she? What does she do? So we had to get really firm and just cut it down to like six or seven projects and only speak to one customer. So that's what I would do. In terms of the contract, I don't think that's something that should go on your website. I don't think that's the friendliest thing. Like I think the, you know, what should go on your website is whatever it's going to take to appeal to that customer. And I, I think knowing what the fees are appealed to the customer. In fact, I can't remember who it was, Cheryl, but we had a, a man tell us that he literally got a job because his fees were on his website. It was somebody we interviewed on the podcast, and I can't remember his name right now. Uh, anyway, he, he said that the client was just so impressed that she didn't have to dig around and try to figure out what he charged. And he, she called him and booked him immediately. So I do like the idea of having my fees on my website because I don't want to field a bunch of calls from people who just are kicking tires. And what we have on the website is the, is the consultation rate. So they know what their initial buy-in is. And rather than listing all of the services and describing what a full project would look like, we explain all projects start with a two-hour consultation and here's what that looks like um, and the price for doing that. So they know exactly what they pick up the phone, what their initial buy-in is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see Allison says, and I won't reveal your identity or where you're from, Allison, but it says, a woman in a professional industry called me and said her regular person was doing a two-hour consult for $110 in her high-end houses. I told her what we charge, and she literally said I was overqualified for what she needed. Cheap, cheap, cheap. I don't need her headaches. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love the line, and I can't remember who I heard it from, but I totally stole this line the first time I heard it, that that other designer obviously knows what her value is, and you should decide who you want to work with based on the value, right? So yeah, good for you. I think that's all our questions for right now. Oh, and then something pops up, of course. Are you saying it's best not to include too much information on the website on the services side? Well, it depends. If the information you're including on the services side is directly appealing to the ideal customer you want, let's say your focus, you've decided that your new focus is living in place, and that's the only thing you want to do. So if the services are related to living in place and they're attractive and enticing, yeah, I could see where you might list the services. Um, But I think what most of us do, and certainly what I've done in the past is I just throw down like, I can do all these millions of things. You should hire me to do any one of these millions of things. It's overwhelming and it's confusing. Um, Can you talk more about fees on trades? All right. We're definitely 100% not including this in the podcast, Cheryl. And what can I say? Um, You know, but I always fall back on my old, you know, my old favorite topic, which is you don't have to make any money to get sued. 
you do not have to be profitable to be named in a lawsuit. If you have insurance, uh, you're going to get named in the lawsuit. If you have no insurance and you're broke, you probably won't get named in the lawsuit. If you have no insurance, but you have a really nice house, you probably will get named in the lawsuit. It's a very calculated thing when litigation happens and you do not have to have done anything wrong to be part of who gets served. So I figure I should be prepared for that uh, by being profitable. So in the event something happens, I know that there's money there to take care of it. Somebody, um, uh, circling back to one more question about... Oh, wait, can sorry. I do a follow-up quickly? Denise is saying, if my contractor gives me 5 to 10% on jobs, in other words, if she's going to get this commission from her contractor because she's brought him into the job, is that the same thing as the way that I do it? I would say, Denise, it's not the same thing because your client doesn't know about it unless it's in your contract. So the thing that kept me awake at night literally, it freaked me out so much. When the client would say, well, what's your markup? I would like deer in the headlight. Oh my God, I have no idea how I'm going to answer this because my markup. I wanted to have a a legal and binding agreement with my clients that A, I have a markup and B, you can verify what that markup is if you want to. And of course, like all great rules in my contract, no one's ever asked me to verify it since I've had that rule. So I can do that because it says in my contract that, but it's allowed me to do things like pay for the back plates and the new hardware for the master ensuite door for my clients. And when my client says to me, oh, you know, so what's happening? Is this going to be expensive? Like it's not going to be, my response to her is it's not going to be expensive for you. It's not your problem. It's my problem. Don't even think about it. I'll take care of it. She's like, great. Thank you. Super happy. Uh, We've got one final question about the website. Would you still put the three packages on the website? Business is slow at the moment, and I feel I need to be able to appeal to a broader range of clients just to get some work in. Yes, I might put the three packages on the website if those three packages appealed to my ideal client. I would still go back to that. And I do understand that work is slow, and I do understand the fear that comes when that happens. You know, I don't know your particular situation. If you're brand new to business and you barely have any customers under your belt, there is a certain merit to just taking whatever you can get your hands on to to learn more. But if you've been doing it for a while and if you can look back at the past and say, you know, when it's been slow in the past, it's always come around. I can ride this out for six months or nine months or whatever it is, then I would be more reluctant to just try to grab at anything. I have a really strong default to take all jobs because I work for myself since I was 14 years old. I had to. And I always lived with the fear of this could be my last job. I don't know why I'm wired that way, but I am. It's very difficult even now for me to say no to jobs. Even to say no to jobs, I really, really don't want. So I do understand the impulse And hopefully most of us are in a position now where you can face the fear and do it anyway, which is what I'm having to do. Just I'm saying no 
that doesn't sound like us. And then the crazy thing is, you guys know this, right? The minute you say, no, I don't think that sounds right for us. They try to convince you how right they are for you. And then the client starts saying, well, I'll do this and we'll do that. And we'll, we can do this. If that, does that work? So it's like, wait, no, stop. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> Denise said that, uh, thank you for the explanation that this is something that had gotten discussed at their chapter meeting and she did not feel good about it. Yeah. You know, the thing is we are looking for new ways uh, to connect member to members in a way where we can help facilitate the conversation. There's so much wisdom in the, in this group of of mature professionals. Like it's incredible. I often think I could open the mic up to almost any one of you and you'd be able to share advice that's so good to some other designer, but sometimes we get stuck in our own heads when it's about us, right? So we are looking and we will have some announcements by the fall of a kind of a new way we're going to work group coaching, a new way we're going to introduce, um, business of design members who have something to teach and give them a forum to teach it. Cause I think it's good to hear it from other people, the same, you know, kind of the same message, but from somebody else, that's really good. And I'm looking forward to learning from all of you more in, in truth as well. So thank you everybody who was willing to, and brave, who was willing to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You know, guys, more and more, we realize that, um, when I'm recording podcasts, Cheryl knows right now we're in a bit of a pickle. I probably have about 16 podcasts I've recorded, but which I will not air. And it's because the information is just, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough for our community. More and more, we're starting to realize, you know what? We're actually looking to limit the podcast to be mostly business of design members who have made something work in a real way that isn't theoretical. So if you think you've wanted to to attempt public speaking. This is a really safe way to do it. Please reach out to us and let us know you'd like to be on the podcast. We can get you booked. And um, I, I just have felt like Cheryl knows, like there are times when I'm interviewing some expert and I'm like, there's nothing there. Like there's nothing there. And then I'll talk to some business of design member and I have goosebumps because they've done something so incredible. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy that they reached out. So please reach out if you want to be on the podcast. It's long and short of it. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Oh, some, some people are posting that they're going to love it. I'm going to do a uh, TED talk. Uh, one of our new members is doing that. So reach out, share with our community as well. Yay. Let us know when you're doing your TED talk, if it's relevant, we'd love to promote it for you as well. And thank you, Patty. You're so sweet. Patty says a blessing, Kimberly and Cheryl. Thank you so much. That's so sweet of you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Miss Cheryl, thank you. Bye everybody. Be well, stay healthy. I miss you all. Bye. So there you go. A little taste of business of design group coaching. We hope you'll consider membership in future. We'll save you a seat at the table. Stay healthy, stay well, stay positive, stay in touch. Have a great week. Thank you for being a part of the business of design community. 
If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.